is hour number three of the John and Leah Show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. And each Sunday we get together, we broadcast for three hours on 22 different stations throughout this formerly great nation of ours. We take a look at the news of the week, the events of our often bizarre lives, and we do so in an entertaining, informative, and unique fashion. We continue with our extended look, our weekly look at the race to the White House 2016 with a at least a segment, maybe two, on what's going on on the Democratic side. And specifically, that means the alleged frontrunner, Hillary Clinton, continues to struggle both in the polls as well as potentially with regard to the court system, at least if you're a hopeful conservative who thinks that uh, uh, her email situation is going to eventually get her indicted. There was some evidence to back up that theory that came out this week, although it didn't get a lot of publicity. Surprise, surprise. (laughs) But, Leah, why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, it's more trouble for Hillary Clinton. It's all connected to her private email server. The Inspector General of the Intelligence Community, Charles McCullough, shared some information with Congress that at least one more of her emails contained the most top-secret classified level of information. This email regarding spies. Now, the Clinton campaign jumped in, responded quickly, denying again that anything that Hillary Clinton received on her email server was not marked classified at the time they received it. They maintain the email's nothing more than a news report about a drone strike. Yet the contents of this particular email are so classified that even the members of Congress investigating the email scandal are not allowed to read it. The next batch of Clinton emails is due two days before the Iowa caucuses, and the State Department is already saying they're going to miss the deadline due to the snowstorm. <laughs> because it's very difficult to accumulate emails in a snowstorm. I mean, it's just that's, that's tough right. to do. It's just very tough to do. It's not like uh, they didn't have three years to get this together. All right. Okay. Here's the deal um, on, on the Hillary emails. I continue to say that conservatives are largely delusional. If they are banking uh, on the notion that Hillary will be indicted by an Obama administration Justice Department. Well, um, new information this this week uh, says that the FBI uh, will recommend prosecution and there will be no indictment. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, great. Um, if that's the case, then fine. Uh, you know, look, um, I understand. I get it, folks. I get that you're all thinking, and when I say you all, I mean the people that are in this camp, are all thinking that this is a semi-just world, that the Clintons have to play by the same rules as everybody else. You, they, you know, all they the, haven't learned then. Right, exactly. You've been paying attention for the last 25 years. Uh, the, the reality is, you know, that you know what happened to David Petraeus is, is irrelevant uh, because yeah. this is a different situation politically. This is all about politics. And here's the bottom line of this. And I've said this for months, and I think, Leah, you agree with me. Hillary Clinton is not going to get indicted unless Barack Obama wants her to be indicted. Sure. Th- that, that is just the bottom line of it. And, and she is going to be the nominee for the Democratic Party, which is part of why she will not get indicted, unless Barack Obama doesn't want her to be the nominee. Now, is there a scenario where he doesn't want her to be the nominee? 
Yeah, I, I can imagine a scenario, you know, depending on what, what his, he, his perceived self-interest is. You could argue, I don't necessarily agree with it, but you could make a semi-rational argument that, you know, he doesn't like Hillary, uh, that it actually makes him look better if the next Democrat loses and that Bernie goes down to defeat you know, after beating Hillary. It'll, 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 in, in some ways, it'll stroke Obama's own ego because then it was all about him, right? It wasn't, oh, yeah. it wasn't that the country went to the left. It was about me being so lovable. Me, 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 right. me. And we all know Barack Obama's favorite subject is me. Me. Right. So let's talk more about me. Um, so that is a theoretical possibility. I still don't believe it because that to me sounds sociopathic, even for by Obama standards. Uh, and I also think you have to remember that there are a lot of people that Obama would allegedly care about who will be out of jobs if that ends up happening. So... I, he doesn't care. Well, maybe he doesn't. But he doesn't okay, but, care but, at all. All right. Well, here's here's the here's the bottom line, though. You will agree with me that and that unless Barack Obama does not want Hillary Clinton to be the nominee, she's going to be the nominee. And and what I mean by that is this: unlike on the Republican side, which is a huge problem, which we've discussed before, there is nobody on the Republican side that can say, let's say if Trump wins Iowa and New Hampshire, they can step forward in front of a microphone and go, stop it, people. Stop it. We've already established this. I mean, my gosh, the entire magazine, National Review, tried to do it. It's not going to have any impact at all. There is nobody on the Republican side with that much gravitas, that much credibility. Nobody. Not Mitt Romney, not George Bush. Nobody. On the Democratic side, they do have somebody. President Obama could, if he wanted to, if Bernie Sanders wins Iowa and New Hampshire, he could come forward and say, stop it. Stop it, people. Get your heads out of your asses. Bernie can't win. Hillary's the best nominee. And get in line now. And they would get in line because that's the way Democrats look at this much differently than Republicans do. Do you agree with what I just said there, Leah? Yeah, uh, no, I, I I totally agree with that. Okay, um, now whether he's willing to do that or not is an open question. I well, look, he, he doesn't want a Republican because the one thing that he cares about is leaving all of his little legacy things intact. So I think he'll do anything he can to make sure that it's a Democrat. Which means, Anything! Which means it has to be Hillary. Now, with that being said... Or Michael Bloomberg. Oh, please. <laughs> now, that being said, that being said, I will be the first to acknowledge that based upon the polling, I mean, the polling recently between Bernie Sanders and Hillary Clinton is more extraordinary than what we have seen from Donald Trump. What Bernie Sanders, and, and frankly, it's a negative Hillary vote in a large degree, what is happening on the Democratic side in Iowa and New Hampshire, if you believe the polls, is more extraordinary than anything Donald Trump has pulled off. Now, the news media won't give it as much publicity because it's not as good for ratings. It doesn't fit their agenda. But depending on which polls you believe, you could make an argument, Leah Brandon, that Bernie Sanders is going to win Iowa, and he's going to crush Hillary in New Hampshire. Now, Absolutely. Now, now I don't know if that's going to happen. I mean, the, the Iowa polling on the Democratic side is all over the place, and it's starting to it's get It's kind of sketchy. No, it, it is. I mean, it, it, and it's it, frankly, it's 
on both sides. I mean, there are polls right now that show both Trump pulling away and Sanders moving uh, pulling away, and then there's the opposite. So I don't know what's going to happen in Iowa, but New Hampshire right now, Sanders is crushing Hillary Clinton. And what I find most fast there's a fascinating thing going on where there's a symbiotic relationship between Donald Trump and Bernie Sanders, where both of their supporters are thinking it's okay to go with our guy because the other side's going to go with the loser. Uh, you know, the Trump people are thinking, well, hell, if it's going to be Sanders or, uh, or Hillary indicted, then... I mean, how bad is Donald Trump? Right, of course, Trump's going to win. And similarly, and I, I, I talked to my good friend, Congressman John Yarmer, the Democrat from Louisville, my former TV co-host there in Louisville, and he agrees with me on this, that a lot of Democrats are looking at what Republicans are doing and going, well, crap, if they're going to go with Trump, let's go with Bernie, because anybody can beat Trump. So in a weird way, Trump and Sanders are helping each other. And the perceived, I believe, over-perceived weakness of Hillary Clinton is absolutely helping Trump, because a lot of people in our side are going, well, anybody can beat Hillary. Who cares? Let's go with Trump. Um, You know, I'm sorry, but I'm a little bit in that camp. I'm not saying that anybody can beat her, but I have never, and you know this, since the beginning of this contest, all people have been saying, who can beat Hillary? Who can beat Hillary? And I have said since the beginning, we don't know that she's going to be the nominee. You really think Bernie Sanders is going to be the nominee? Come on. I don't. Look, hey, why not? I'm telling you, there is so much anger out there on both sides. I I just don't think we're lemmings right now, and I think we're underestimated. All right. Let me when we come back, I'll give you a scenario where Hillary is in legitimate trouble. Uh, but and and we'll see what you say about that. And although even under that scenario, Obama can save her hide if he wants to. But we'll do that when we come back on the John and Leah show right here on the Free Speech Broadcasting Network. Welcome back. This is the John and Leah Show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. Our website is www.freespeechbroadcasting.com, where you can check out each and every one of the 22 radio stations across this formerly great nation of ours, which broadcast this program each and every Sunday night for three hours. This is our uh, third hour of the program, and we continue with our weekly look at the race for the White House 2016 with a few thoughts, Leah, on... Whether or not there is a scenario where Bernie Sanders can beat out Hillary Clinton, I don't believe that it's likely at all. I will be the first to acknowledge that Hillary is a horrible candidate. At the very beginning of this process, you may recall this, Leah, I referred to Hillary Clinton potentially having a cat food problem. Remember this analogy where no matter how much you dress it up, there are certain foods that if a cat doesn't like it, they're just not going to eat it, no, ma- no matter what. <laughs> That's true. And and I, I think that Hillary has a cat food problem where there's a certain percentage, we don't know what that percentage is yet, of the uh, American electorate that just ain't going to buy it. They ain't going to eat it, no matter how much the media dresses it up. And apparently that's even on the Democratic side, based upon yeah. Bernie Sanders' poll numbers. Now, here's the danger for Hillary. 
and I love the fact that this is the danger for Hillary because it's it there's just it's so karmtastic, you know, if that's a word. <laughs> uh, you know, it's there's so much karma. Yes, here, here, exactly. Here, here's what I'm here's where I'm getting at. Because the liberal philosophy is so devoid of any sort of logic uh, or any basis in reality or in facts, it's all it's all fairy tale. I mean, it, that's what liberalism is based in. It is a sure. fairy tale. You and so because fairy tales and memes. Right. Exactly. So so <laughs> because it's a political philosophy based in a fairy tale. Here's where Clinton is in trouble because Bernie has no restrictions on the fairy tale he can tell. He can promise anything. That's right. He can, and he will always be able to go farther in the promising than she will because she's at least somewhat hinged to reality because she knows she has to run in a general election. Bernie doesn't give a crap. (laughs) Bernie can just. Say whatever the hell he wants, make whatever fairy tale he wants up, and a large portion of his base or the base, the liberal base, is going to go. Damn right! Why not? I mean, my gosh, this is a this is a people that believes that only black lives matter. That's this, true. This is a philosophy that believes that somehow, the, if we eliminated the one percent. That nothing would change, that that life would continue to go on. If we just took everything the 1% had and give it to the other 99%, all of life would be wonderful. Well, if you're. This, li- wait, wait, wait. These are the people who believe that we can give free college to everyone by dismantling our military. Exactly. So, <laughs> so if you're dealing with an electorate that is that wedded to buying into fairy tales, and I'm not. That's not hyperbole. That's not exaggeration. And stupid no, ideas, no, not just fairy tales. No, they, they, so they, so you got an electorate that is willing. They're sitting there going, "Tell us a story, tell us a story, Burn." And Burn's like, "Well, hell, I'll tell you a story." I mean, after all, he used to do pornography. I don't know if you know that or not, but he, he, he he's. Did you know that, by the way? That's not gonna. Come. I, I didn't, but you can look at him and tell. No, but, but he, he he was a pornography writer at one point. I mean, I'll bet he was. Uh, so um, the, my point is, his electorate or their electorate saying, "Tell us a story," and he can tell a better story than she can. One because he's got some charisma, and two because he has no restrictions because he doesn't care about winning a general election. He's already a socialist. He's already he's already declared himself, I'm a socialist. You can't go any farther than that. True. So, so that's the scenario where 90% he wants a 90% tax rate. Right. And so I mean, come on. So so if so if Hillary starts to lose a significant portion of the black vote then she's in trouble. Oh, and, it's happening. And and and, and, it's only, and the only thing that can save her at that point would be Barack Obama. And boy, wouldn't the irony be rich there? Where if Barack Obama saved her bacon by coming out and saying, "Look, folks, stop it. Grow up. Stop it." Which I could see happening, but boy, I'm sure he would enjoy that uh, in a very very perverse way. So I, I'm still betting on Hillary, but there is a scenario. As crazy as the liberal base is, where she could be in very big trouble. All right, other news of the good. <laughs> other news of the week coming up next on the John and Leah Show on the Free Speech Broadcasting Network. 
Welcome back. This is the John and Leah Show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. She does the program from Birmingham, Alabama. I do it from Southern California. And we are broadcast live on 22 different stations throughout this formerly great nation of ours. There's three major stories I want to get to that happened this week between now and the end of the program. The uh, the first, Leah, was um, was really, I thought, quite extraordinary to find out that uh, on this Martin Luther King Day, that we are now down to our racial issues being of such minor concern that the largest issue facing black people is how many of them are nominated for Academy Awards. That's right. Uh, Quite extraordinary. Tell us more. Yeah, the Lily White Oscars, as Spike Lee said, uh, director Spike Lee, once the Oscar nominations were announced, Spike Lee and Jada Pinkett Smith said, uh, well, he's not going to go and she is going to boycott. Hi, today is Martin Luther King's birthday. And I can't help but ask the question, is it time that people of color recognize how much power, influence that we have amassed that we no longer need to ask to be invited anywhere. Now, actress Stacey Dash, uh, when she heard this, she called the boycott a double standard. I think it's ludicrous. Why? Because we have to make up our minds. Either we want to have segregation or integration. And if we don't want segregation, then we need to get rid of channels like BET and the BET Awards and the Image Awards, where you're only awarded if you're black. If it were the other way around, we would be up in arms. It's a double standard. She was then consumed by a Twitter avalanche of hate. <laughs> now, uh, Chris Rock is going to be the host, and he was considering dropping out, but instead he'll stand on stage and bash white people for three hours. <laughs> they really consider that the best answer for him to be on stage. So there you go. And uh, there were a couple of uh, white actors who have gotten in trouble for saying this is a manufactured controversy. They, of course, have had to walk back those statements. And then there are other uh, white actors like Danny DeVito, like anyone gives a damn about what's going on with Danny DeVito. Uh, but, of course, you know, looking for their 15 seconds of, of attention, saying uh, that uh, we're all a bunch of racists and that this is proof of it. Um, yeah. I mean, look. It's just flat out ridiculous. The whole thing is, is the whole thing is ridiculous. It's embarrassing. It's embarrassing to black people that somehow this is an issue even worth uh, this much attention, especially on Martin Luther King Day. But but I mean, here's the thing, though. The, the Academy is panicked. Uh, they are already changing the voting process. And here's oh, yeah. how, and here's how they've they, added diversity seats to the Academy board. And not only that, they're going to take away the votes. Of a yeah. lot of older voters, I, I love. That's right. I love the presumption that because you're an older voter, that you're racist. You must be racist. Um, look, here's the reality. I know this is very difficult math, but the black population is is between 12 and 15 percent of the population, right? Um, yeah. uh, where are where's the uh, a controversy over the lack of Hispanic nominations for the Academy Awards? Um, because the the population is far greater in many yeah, s- segments 
Uh, and yet there are never any Hispanic nominations, or hardly ever any Hispanic yeah, nominations. Benicio Del Toro, you know, he always comes through. <laughs> right. But, but here's why. I mean, here's the reality why. It has nothing to do with racism. It has to do with the nature of movies. And it's, you know, Stacey Dash actually makes a really good point there. Because we have segregated, for all intents and purposes, mm-hmm. our movies, there are such things as black movies and white movies, for, for all right. intents and purposes. And so let's take uh, Straight Out of Compton, right? Straight Out of Compton was a, almost an exclusively black movie. You had a ton of black actors in that movie. It was a fine movie, but it really wasn't even the type of movie that would normally even get Oscar consideration. It wasn't. Thank even, you. It didn't, it didn't even try to be that type of movie. So when you have a black movie, a quote unquote black movie, where you got a, a, a very large number of black actors in it, and that movie doesn't even try to be Oscar worthy, then how in the world can you complain? When you don't end up getting any nominations. I mean, tell me who it is that should have been nominated. Will Smith did a nice job in Concussion. That uh, was him, uh, and there was there was one other for another movie, and I can't even pronounce the first name. Okay, but but let's like, take a look at Concussion, a movie that I went to go see. We talked about it on, on the air here the, on the week when you were off. I had Franco Harris, NFL Hall of Famer, on to discuss it because he's actually, uh, you know, his team is a major part. The, the 1970s Pittsburgh Steelers was a major part of that movie. Will Smith does a really nice job. The movie did terribly. Exactly. It did terribly. Now, if if Concussion had been a box office smash and somehow Will Smith had been, been, uh, you know, somehow not given a nomination, which, by the way, where's the evidence that there's any uh, racism against Will Smith? I mean, Will Smith has been... He's in everything. He's in everything, for goodness sakes. Um, and, and here his wife is, sanctimoniously. They, they live in Malibu. They it's got ridiculous. The, they have the, great, they have the greatest life ever. Um, you know, Entitled. Uh, it's un- you know, that's what it is. Right. So, but there, no, there's no, no rational person could possibly argue that the system is set up against Will Smith. He didn't get nominated because the movie did crappy that's why um and so and and so now we have to we have to self-flagellate we have to take away votes from old people you're being punished and and put everyone else on notice hey look it's not just about nominations at what when all these people are nominated and they don't win then what well Exactly, because now you're in a situation where you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. And the worst part of this, and this all this this happens in all areas of affirmative action, which it's the part that is most insidious and drives me That's most right. crazy, is That's that right. that next time a black person wins, why did they win? Guess what? We must presume we must they only won <laughs> because they're black. They only got nominated because they black. You've just you've just single-handedly diminished the value of any black nomination for the next 5, 10, 15 years. Way Congratulations. Well, well, Yay. We shall overcome. We we <laughs> shall overcome. This is Dr. King's dream 
in reality, where we now presume that if you get a subjective nomination for a movie and you're black, it's because you're black and you weren't really good enough. It's that, unreal. That is that is insidious. It's insane making. Um, and and it, by the way, you only won because these members don't want to be thrown off the board yet. Right. So they want to stay in. So in order to win, they know who they must vote for. And unfortunately, by the way, this this is just the most absurd example of this. In, in lesser and, and different ways, this is happening throughout our whole society. I mean, this is the way jobs get decided now in anything, that's right. that, in anything that's high profile. And yep. any, anything that's high profile, whether it's business, media, whatever. Police commissioners. What, whatever it is. If it's public, this is how it's decided now. We, Mayors. We, you now have to have a rainbow coalition. Uh, it's, it, it's what it looks like. It's not... Based upon merit, it's not who's right for the job, who's, who deserves Competence. it the most. No, those things are irrelevant. It's do you have the right mixture of the right colors it's to, insane. to placate the right people. And that's not what this country was based on. It's not even close what, to what this country was based on. Like and, it's it's not, and it's not what Martin Luther King wanted. That's the most... It's the opposite. Yes, thank it's you. just flat out ridiculous. <laughs> All right, so we, I think we both agree on this. Now, somewhat related, because I do think it's related... There was a oh. remarkable story involving the Olympic Games. And I thought you were kidding about this when you told me about this story. I'm not kidding. Um, this is the world we now live in. Tell us what's going on with the Olympic Games dealing, I guess you would call it, with the Caitlyn Jenner issue. That's how, right. How, how is it that the Olympics, the Olympics, which used to be supposedly the bastion of, of fair competition, yeah. how are the Olympics going to deal with the issue of transgenderism? Yeah, I'm calling it the Bruce Jenner rule. Uh, the International Olympic Committee will now allow, starting this summer in Rio with the Summer Olympics, they will now allow uh, transgendered men or transgender women, I can't remember which one it is, uh, to, to compete as women without reassignment surgery. In other words, should Bruce Jenner be competing today? He would be able to compete against the women. Now, do we know that as a fact? I know that in theory you're right because what no, they, yeah. the, the, it is correct. The committee says the men must be taking hormones, okay, for one year before the competition. Their testosterone level must be down a little, and it must stay down during the competition. Um, they held this consensus meeting on sex reassignment. They decided that uh, society has accepted a, quote, fluid definition of gender. And so the guidelines have been thrown out that you have to have the surgery as a prerequisite right. uh, to, you know, com competing. So the bottom line is, if you're a man who claims to be transgendered, and you go through some therapy so that your your hormone, your testosterone levels are lower than a certain point for a year before the competition. You can right. still have a penis. That's and, right. And you can compete against women. That's right. So effectively... You can cheat your way in. Well, not only you can, I mean, heck, you know, I'm sure you could make a strong argument that all you really have to do is to be a male liberal and you're already eligible because your <laughs> testosterone levels are probably low enough level where you're qualified. I mean, you, you, now that you can keep your penis. They don't make good athletes, though. 
Yeah, but still, I mean, if you got a, if you're a man, you still have a heck of an advantage over a woman in certain different disciplines. Yes, um, you do. Uh, so, Although I was called a bigot for bringing this up on Facebook today. A I'm bigot. a bigot. A yeah. bigot. Yeah, I'm a bigot, you know, because I I am from the south, and so for me to you know not be behind women's issues. Uh, which this is, they said. I'm not. I'm this not. This is a to, woman's uh, you know, issue. This is a women's, a women's issue. To allow yeah. men with penises to compete against women is a women's issue. Isn't it unreal? <laughs> it's unreal. Wow. Knock knock. Who's there? What difference at this point does it make? <laughs> All right. Um, wow. I mean, that's the world yeah. we're living in, folks. And this is this is the Olympic Games. This is not. Some, you know, minor little local competition that wants to get attention. This is the Olympic Games, and it's this it's this Olympics coming up. Uh, you, you get a lot of money for winning a gold medal, yeah. and people go for the Olympics from the time they're five years old. You're telling me someone's not going to go ahead and throw it by right. having a little less testosterone and right. jumping in with the women? Well, I mean, frankly, I mean, I, I've always felt, um, you know, this is a, a, a different subject, but, you know, the, the guy from um, the guy who killed the South African who killed his girlfriend. Oh, the, yes. The, the Blade Runner. The Blade Runner. Right. I always felt like that was ridiculous. I mean, I, I did, too. I, Oscar Pistorius. That I, I mean, it's cheating. It's absolutely cheating. But here was the funny part about Oscar Pistorius. Funny before he killed his girlfriend. Um if he had been able, if, if the technology was just a little bit better, where he was able to win a medal instead of just qualifying, the entire narrative about that would be completely different. People would be outraged that That's he was right. winning simply because of the technology. But because the technology wasn't quite good enough, it was a feel-good story. Like, oh, isn't, right. isn't that awesome? He can compete oh, look at with, without legs. Isn't that wonderful? Yet if he had been like a... Like two tenths of a second faster, he would have won a flipping medal. That's so, right. I mean, it's very similar story, but that's the world we're now living in, folks. Uh, good luck with that. Um, all right, when we come back, uh, final segment. I've got to talk about what happened with regard to the Penn State administrators having the major charges in the Sandusky case dropped against them, and the news media, of course, ignored it. But I'll tell you the real story when we come back on the John and Leah Show on the Free Speech Broadcasting Network. This is the final segment of this edition of the John and Leah Show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. And for better, for worse, mostly for worse, I have devoted much of the last four years to... My goodness. (laughs) What what do you mean? What do you you mean, my goodness? What is that all about? When you say it out loud, it just hits you like a ton of bricks. Exactly. Much of the last four years... Actually, here's the worst way to think about it. Here's the worst way to think about it, Leah. What I'm referring to is is the fact that for the last four years, I've been uh, trying to find out uh, and publicize the real truth of the so-called Penn State scandal. Here's what really brings this home, literally and figuratively. My daughter was conceived two months before the story began. She, She is now getting close to her fourth birthday. Um, and I have spent almost all of that time 
embroiled in the middle of this insanity. And and I and I realize full well this is a classic example of where I'm doing something that is not going to help me and probably has hurt me greatly, probably in ways I don't even know career-wise. But at home. At home as well. Uh, even though my wife's been very supportive in in a lot of ways, in fact, she was she felt more strongly earlier on in the story that the whole thing was bullcrap than I did, uh, because she's a school teacher and she's like, wait a minute, this story doesn't make any damn sense. But anyway, here's the bottom line: since day one of this story, Leah Brandon, I have been slowly vindicated. I, I and I have been right about almost everything. The news media has been wrong. And uh, yet again, that happened this week when after 1,538 days of being held hostage by the, the state attorney general's office of Pennsylvania, the three Penn State administrators who were charged with conspiracy. And let's, let's remember their names because everyone remembers. Yeah, right. Graham Spanier, former president of Penn State. Tim Curley, yep. the former athletic director. And Gary Schultz, yep. the head of the campus police at Penn State. For 1,538 days, they were held hostage by charges of conspiracy, perjury, and obstruction of justice in an alleged cover-up of Jerry Sandusky's crimes. Well... All of the major charges, there's still a couple of bullcrap charges that eventually will go away because, frankly, legally, even if they were true, which they're not, legally they have no merit. It's amazing that they're still there. But this week on a Friday in the middle of a blizzard, the attorney general's office finally said, uh, guess what? After 1,538 days, the major charges are gone. Uh, we're not going to pursue them anymore. And those charges are dropped. And, you know, what, what frustrates me greatly about this, Leah, is that, of course, the news media will portray this just as I predicted. By the way, I predicted this would happen in February of 2013 when I went on the Today Show after having interviewed Jerry Sandusky in prison. I said to anyone that would listen, the charges against these guys are going to be dropped I was wrong about the timing. I said it would happen on a Friday of a holiday weekend. I didn't realize it would happen on a Friday of a blizzard. A blizzard weekend. <laughs> Same right, thing. Right. And and I said that when it occurs, the news media will ignore and diminish it by trying to pretend it's a technicality. Here's why this matters, folks. Good people with sterling reputations got their lives taken away in the middle of a firestorm, a media-created firestorm, where there wasn't a shred of logic or evidence to back it up at the time, and the authorities knew it, and they delayed and delayed and delayed and delayed until they couldn't delay anymore, hoping, and rightfully so from their perspective, hoping that people wouldn't give a damn anymore, that the media would move on and just say, well, this is an old story, and the reality is if it can happen to them, it can, oh, yes. it can happen to anybody. Anybody. These people were were people with president a, of the university, one of the most respected presidents of all the universities in the country, a liberal, but a guy who I've gotten to know very well, Graham Spanier. He is an amazing guy, by the way, an abuse victim himself, <laughs> an abuse victim himself accused of having run a cover up for a pedophile, a guy he met one time, one time. In his entire career at Penn State, forced out of his job, and humiliated. But can't. By the way, 
can't even get out of the country because they won't give him back his passport. I oh, mean, my gosh. I mean, it is, it is, it, it, the whole thing is the most incredible and insane story. I Lawsuit. Well, he, Lawsuit. Well, Grant Spanier has sued uh, against uh, – against, um, we're, we're, we still got a minute left in the show. I don't know why we're hearing the music, but uh, a little bit of a panic there. But the, the, the reality is that he, Grant Spanier is suing Louis Free, who did the Free Report. Good. And eventually he'll win on that. Um, and eventually all of this is all going to disintegrate. And what bothers me most, of course, is we're now supposed to believe that the cover-up didn't happen. But the underlying crimes, we're still sure about. Even though the same people screwed that up from A to Z, we're still supposed to believe that the underlying crimes that were the cause of this fiasco really occurred, which I'm now convinced after four years they did not. But the news media doesn't care because they had the narrative that they wanted, and now it's too late for anyone to actually care. We can't go back. We, we had our fun. The media got what they wanted, and it's all a disgrace. It's a disgrace to humanity. You can find out more on my website, framingpaterno.com. Leah Brandon, as always, great talking to you. We'll talk to you next week. Sounds good. Uh, free Have speech, a good night, everyone. Free, free speech broadcasting.com podcast.